Welcome to Truth Seeing Mamas. I'm Carissa. And I'm Christian. We are both pastor's wives and mamas who are seeking truthful accounts of what it looks like for believers to have faithful endurance in real life. We hope that these conversations not only touch your heart, but also encourage you to have genuine community with other believers. We believe we can't truly be all God called us to be unless we embrace a biblical and meaningful community with our church bodies. Welcome to Truth Seeking Mamas. We are so glad you're here. Hey friends, thanks for coming back again this week. We have an awesome episode this week where Christian sits down with her friend Lindy and they talk about what does it look like for a family who's about to transition to the mission field. Whether you yourself feel called to the mission field with your family or you know a family who is serving, I think you will definitely love this conversation. Once again, thanks for coming back every week and we look forward to talking with you soon. Welcome to Truth Seeking Mama. I'm Christian, and today we have a wonderful guest. Her name is Lindy. So, Lindy, just share with us about you and your family and what God is doing. Hey. um, So, yeah, I'm Lindy. I have been married to my husband, Zach, for almost seven years, and we have three kids. Our oldest two are boys. They are getting close to five and three, which is kind of crazy. I can't believe they're that old. And then our little girl is six months today, actually. I'm a stay-at-home mom, and so I stay pretty busy keeping them alive and fed and all of that good stuff. So my husband and I, since we started dating, really, we both were kind of sensing the Lord leading us overseas. I was in the Philippines for eight months while we were dating. I was there homeschooling for a a family that was living in a tribal area. My husband spent six months in East Asia while we were engaged. And so it's been a bit of a lengthy process. We kind of anticipated being overseas a little sooner, but you know, global pandemic kind of shuts things like that down. And so now we're back on track to move to East Asia in May. Wow. So what does it look like in your life right now to be preparing a family to serve overseas? Uh, The biggest thing that's taking our time and attention right now is raising support to go. Our organization doesn't fund the people they send. And so it's a lot of contacting people, setting up meetings, sharing our ministry vision and that kind of thing. I've been working on just doing some preliminary language learning. Um, Just there's no substitute for immersion, but just to to kind of give myself a head start so that when we went, when we actually get there, it won't be completely new. And then once we hit the new year, we're going to be doing a lot of just practical preparation, thinking about what to keep, what to sell, what to store, a lot of training, ministry preparation. Yeah, it's a lot. It sounds like a lot. How are you preparing your children's hearts for this big move, this big life change for them from, you know, being at home with mommy in a place where everybody speaks the same language and they have expectations of what daily life look like to totally changing where they live. People don't speak the same way. They don't act the same ways. Maybe how are you in these moments of a three and five-year-old in particular 
trying to love your children well and teach them what's about to happen? They're young enough. It's still kind of abstract, less so for our four-year-old. He kind of gets it, but even for him, like, sometimes he'll say stuff like, when are we going to go ahead and move? Because our apartment's getting kind of old. And then other days, his, you know, his lip will kind of quiver and he'll be like, but I don't want to leave our apartment. We can't leave it forever. And so, you know, we talk a lot about how we want the people, how the people where we're going might not have somebody who can tell them about Jesus. And, you know, we love him so much. We want other people to know and love him too. And just planting those seeds. And and some of it, I think, especially once we hit the new year, there'll be a lot more conversations. But, you know, we've tried to kind of ease them in to the idea, but some of it is just going to be, I think, things hitting as we go. So how has your church come alongside you in these days of preparation and loving your family? We are very blessed to be at a church that has sent a lot of people overseas. So they have very good structures in place to do that well. Right now we're in sort of a internship kind of program that they have with other singles and families who are planning on going to kind of uh, help prepare us. But they, they, for all the people that they send, they'll pair them with, they call it an advocate. And the advocate would be somebody who would be in contact with the person or family who is sent out at least weekly and be praying for them and kind of keeping the church aware of, of their needs and how they're doing. And then also every Sunday morning, there's a set apart time during the service where they'll have maybe a video message or share some prayer requests from one of the families they've sent out and just take time as a congregation to pray for them. And so knowing that our church has those structures in place is very reassuring to me because it it lets me know that someday when we're the ones who are out, our church does have those structures. So it's not going to be like completely out of sight, out of mind. That is so encouraging to hear how intentional your church is with already having someone in place, you know, to be intentional with you guys in prayer and how can our church serve you while you're gone as well as praying for you in your absence. I think that is a wonderful thing to hear because there are not a lot of churches that have those structures in place. So that is very encouraging. Yeah. We're very thankful to be where we are. So how can those in the church be praying intentionally for families that are preparing to go onto the mission field? There is just so much transition. Some of it seems obvious, you know, obviously language but if you, if you think about even just the things that we take for granted, like buying groceries, our kid is sick, taking them to the doctor, you know, all of it becomes unfamiliar. It's suddenly all in a language that you don't speak. And so especially in that transition period, it can just be a very high stress season. And I think not all the time. 
but sometimes in the church you can kind of get this idea of um missionaries as being like maybe a notch or two more spiritual but that's so not the case you know getting getting on a plane and going to live somewhere else does not make you you know automatically holier and all the all of the sin struggles and emotional struggles and habits that you take with you on the plane are still there with you when you get off and so I think just recognizing that there are going to be struggles and then actively praying for those things like transition to a higher stress environment the things like struggles with worry or impatience or just any of those things that you might have under control when you're in a familiar environment suddenly when you have the stress of a culture change and and spiritual attack to just covering those things in prayer and and praying for the kids too because like I said so much of a move like this is kind of abstract for them and a lot of it is going to be hitting them once we're actually there so I think praying that we'll be able to shepherd them well and have a lot of grace for um, the emotions that are going to be hitting them and the ways that they vent that uh, while we're dealing with stress ourselves. Just praying specifically for a lot of those things, I think, is important. Yeah, definitely think that we don't consider pastors, missionaries, teachers, Sunday school teachers, those who are involved in churches, deacons, elders, they're all human too. They all have sin struggles. They all have family struggles and they need just as much prayer as the church member, as the, the children of those church members. And so I think the intentionality of praying for their souls is just as important as praying for the souls in the congregation. Absolutely. So when you guys get to the mission field, it can be a lonely place. What would be ways the church could come alongside you and your family from distance? I know you've specifically said ways your church is. Do you have any other ways that maybe if a church doesn't have those advocates in place, they can come alongside the families that they are trying to love and support that are overseas? Definitely. So broadly speaking, we we send out a newsletter now every couple of months and we'll continue to do that probably more once we're actually on the field. And, you know, when you write and send something like that, sometimes it kind of feels like you're sending it out into the void and you know that a lot of the time people are busy. It's just going to get buried in people's inboxes. And so I think one practical way is just taking even five minutes to read a newsletter and to pray for the specific things that are mentioned. And then just like sending a quick email to say, Hey, just wanted to let you know that I I prayed for the things that you mentioned. Um, It doesn't have to be like this whole long novel, but just taking the time 
to read and to pray for those things and to stay aware of what's going on. And then as far as like, not the church broadly, but actual friendships, again, it's so easy. And I'm guilty of this too, to just have friendships be out of sight, out of mind. But, you know, in going overseas, I'll be you know, away from a lot of those friendships and relationships are going to look a lot different there. So I think for friends, I guess a mutual effort to stay connected, asking hard questions, asking how can I be praying for you? And then also I want, I don't want just, you know, to have people praying for me. I want to know from my friends how I can be praying for them because those, those close, deep friendships have to be two-sided. So I don't want people to think, oh, Lindy's over there. She's got a lot of her stuff going on. I don't want to bother her with this. Like, I want to know how I can be praying for people too. So I think being willing to pursue that two-sided deep communication even when you know there's a 12-hour time difference or when you're stuck with video calls or things like that that makes a lot of sense you think about scripture and how christ calls us to faithful endurance and what that looks like for the believer how we are to be intentionally in the word praying taking time to you know fast and focus our minds on Christ. And not only does he want us to have that relationship with him, but he calls us to love one another. And so being intentional to send that note, but also to be saying, Hey, you can pray for me in this way this week. Like there's that also faithful endurance of friendship that we can have with other believers. um, If we genuinely try I think sometimes in our culture, we get so wrapped up in technology or in daily tasks that that intentionality gets lost. Even like you said, emailing you back means so much to you because then you're like, oh, we didn't just randomly send out this email and now we don't know what people are thinking or if they even looked at it. Someone did look at it and someone did pray for us. And so we are so grateful for that. And being able to interact back and say, hey, thank you so much for praying for us. And you may be able to give them, you know, something that actually happened with one of those situations you've asked for prayer for, um, which could be an encouragement to them. Like, you know, the Lord is hearing us, you know, he's walking alongside of us. Yeah, exactly. Because then you have the partnership element, which, you know, you see so much in scripture with Paul and coming back and in, in, to the church that sent him out and sharing uh, how they had seen the Lord work. They got to see, maybe even if they weren't the ones going, they got to experience that, that joy and that celebration of how God had been at work, not just through Paul being the one being sent, but through them as they were sending and were praying for him. Absolutely. So there are many people who may be contemplating or thinking about going overseas and maybe even considering how hard it's going to be and the transition and uprooting their family and their life and the world they've known for a new one. 
what advice would you give those who might feel called to the mission field, but maybe are fearful or overwhelmed by the transitions that could happen? Yeah, I'm still a little overwhelmed myself, to be honest. So I, I will pass on some advice that I received um, when I went, when I, when I had just gotten to the Philippines. It was short term as far as missions go. It was only eight months, but it was by far the longest and the farthest that I had been from home. And uh, my husband and I were dating and we were talking about you know, we were considering the possibility of long-term missions. And so I probably uh, foolishly in that, <laughs> in that first week was dealing with jet lag and also trying to imagine like, what might it be like to go overseas long-term? And it was, it was very overwhelming and I should have paced myself a little bit, but I, uh, I was, I had the opportunity to just share some of the things that I was feeling with a woman who had been on the field for uh, since the eighties, she had been there for a long time. And she told me, um, the enemy tells you the, the enemy wants to tell you what you will lose, but not what you will gain. And that I, I again, it was short term, but I did experience that while I was in the Philippines. It was hard. It was one of the hardest things I've ever done. But in the middle of that, God met me in so many sweet ways and just provided when I was lonely or overwhelmed um, in ways that just were very deep and intangible and just because God is calling you to something does not mean that it will be easy or that all of your emotions will be excitement. Um, you know, Jesus talked a lot about sacrifice and sacrifice is by definition hard. Um, but Jesus also said that um, he was talking to Peter. This is Luke 18. 29 through 30 um, and Peter said something about having having left everything to follow Jesus and Jesus said truly I tell you no one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life and you know that doesn't mean that like if we give up something for God that he's obligated to repay us in kind, but it does mean that even as we sacrifice and following him and seeking to share his love and truth with others, that he meets us in that and he blesses us in that. And even if it is hard, he'll, he'll meet you there. And that, that is something that even, you know, as we're preparing to go, that I have to remind myself of often, but, um, you know, I'm trusting that it's true and trusting that when we get to those very hard moments of leaving things behind and changes that, that there will be grace for that and that it's worth it because, you know, it's not just that we want people to ascribe to right theology, but we have a love 
in Christ that changes everything. And that's something that we want other people to know and experience too. So what are some ways besides what you just mentioned, which was so eloquently said, what are some ways you've been preparing spiritually and maybe in your home or thinking through things, other ways you've been preparing to go overseas? Practically speaking, just trying to lessen the amount of stuff that we have. We mm-hmm. <laughs> we purged almost all of our books, which especially after years of seminary, we had a lot of books. So I tend to be more of a pack rat. So thinking in terms of letting things go uh, <laughs> is challenging for me. But uh, I got to do a whole lot more of that over the next few months. And then just spiritually praying that God will go before us and be at work in the lives of the people that we're going to be living among um, and that he'll, he'll be opening doors for the relationships that he wants us to have. Because, you know, at the end of the day, we can't save anybody. He's the one who draws people to himself. And so um, I'm just praying that he'll be preparing for the ministry that we're going to do. And, and, you know, I mentioned some of those areas earlier that I kind of anticipate being challenging for our family with dealing with some of those stresses and, and trying to parent in the midst of that, Um, not, not being pessimistic or borrowing trouble, just being realistic and going ahead and beginning to cover some of those areas in prayer we're going to need the Lord's help a lot. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Lindy, thank you so much for sharing about what the Lord is doing in your life and your family's life and how the Lord is already preparing your hearts and your lives to serve him overseas in a way that so many either are called or are called and are nervous to thank you for just encouraging uh, other believers to trust the Lord with their lives and whatever that looks like, um, continuing to seek him and trust him with their futures. And so I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray for your family specifically, Lindy, and the journey that you guys are about to take in the spring. So let's pray. Heavenly father, Lord, creator of heaven and earth, you hold all things together. You hold every person in this world, every soul, Lord, and we thank you for Lindy and her family, Lord. We thank you for the three little souls that are part of their family, Lord. Lord, I pray over them right now. I pray for Lindy and her husband as they continue to seek truth And pursue it, Lord, and are preparing for themselves and their family to serve you in a way that they believe you've called them to. Lord, I pray for their children. God, I pray that you would save them, Lord. And Lord, I also pray that you would protect their hearts and minds as they follow their parents to serve as they serve you. And Lord, I pray that you would give them a hedge of protection, that you would be with their hearts and their minds, each one in this family, Lord. I pray 
that you would grant them grace for each moment that seems hard and that you would grant them peace in the uncertainty that surrounds them. Lord, continue to be with them and their church as they prepare to serve. Lord, thank you that there will be an advocate for them that's a part of their church and that their church will be intentional to prayer. Lord, I pray for us that are listening right now that we would be intentional with the missionaries that we know who are preparing or who are serving or who may even have come home from the field, Lord. Help us to love them well. Lord, give us ways to be intentional in prayer for them, intentional in walking alongside of them, whatever it may be, Lord. Grant us eyes to see and ears to hear, hearts to know and minds to understand. We thank you for this time and we thank you for your grace and love for us. In Jesus' name, amen.